Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Priest, Brother, and You, where we talk about your deepest questions from life on campus. My name is Father Jake, joined by fellow co-host, Brother Matthew, and a great student aboard with us today, Maria Turco. Brother Matthew. Hey, all. Brother Matthew here. Thanks, Father Jake. Maria, great to be with you. Welcome. So Maria is studying physiology with a minor in Spanish. Yes. And why did you decide to study physiology? I chose to study physiology because I'm really interested in the human body, and um, it was hard to switch into kinesiology <laughs> from CSE. So mm-hmm. chose physiology, and it's a really great major to be pre-physical therapy in. You're pre-physical therapy. I am. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And um, when did you decide you wanted to do PT? Um, I decided probably right when I was entering college I always wanted to be a vet my whole life and then um, I decided I didn't want to see animals dying (laughs) so I kind of changed courses but now uh, the more I learn and the more experience I've gotten I've been really really assured that I want to do PT great and you have some (laughs) questions Maria yes I do so I wanted to talk about um, women in the church I think Uh, It's a topic that can make people feel uncomfortable and a little frustrated, I think. Um, Just knowing that that women can't be leaders in the church, can't be priests or popes um, or really have leadership roles. And um, I wanted to ask about how women are um, portrayed in the Bible. And, um, yeah, get your thoughts on that. Yeah. And give us some context. It, it, like, it seems like these questions, am I right, Maria, mm-hmm. are from your conversations with people at large, but maybe, and maybe yeah. even especially like non-Catholics and being a Catholic, they're asking yeah. you to have the right answers. And Yeah, I think a lot of women come to me, especially people who were my friends maybe in high school or or now in college who kind of were Catholics and turned away. And their biggest question is always, why can't women be priests? (laughs) And I think they are, and me too, I guess. I I don't know the answer or I've never really gotten a satisfying response. Um, And so I think it's, it's just a thing that, yeah, like you said, has come up a lot for people who've turned away from, from their faith. Yeah. No, great, great questions. And certainly if anyone's been paying attention to the news, I mean, even yeah. Paul Francis has been talking about and, and saying there, there needs to be more of a presence of women in the church in certain roles, especially. And so he's elevated actually a fair number of women to various, I'll use some church language, Vatican dicasteries and things like that. Um, but, uh, it's always helpful to make good distinctions. Um, so even, uh, just to start out with like, oh, why can't women be priests? Great mm-hmm. question. If we were to just start there, uh, actually they, they are. What do you mean? <laughs> I was hoping you would ask. <laughs> um, women are priests because anyone who is baptized, I know the eyes are rolling already. Like we're going there. <laughs> no, but stay with it here for a minute. Um, Anyone who is baptized is baptized or immersed into the life of Jesus, who is a priest, a prophet, and a king. So 
anyone who is baptized, male or female, participates in some way in the priesthood or the prophetic nature of who Jesus is. Uh, what is a priest? It's one who offers sacrifice. That's what a priest does. So in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, um, St. Paul will say, like, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, your spiritual worship. That's actually possible as a baptized person. Now, here's where we make a distinction. Are you ready for this, jeep, this jump? Um, if anyone who is baptized is participating in the priesthood of Jesus, but there's also, uh, then there's ministerial priesthood. And that's something distinct. And that is something uh, that maybe, dare I say, most of the questions are, why mm -hmm. can't women be ministerial priests? Well, I'd make a, a couple points here, and then love to hear some of Brother Matthew's points too. Um, just because even if someone is a man, doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to become a priest or even can become a priest. Because it's not a right. And this is a big distinction. Priesthood is not a right. It's actually a calling. So, for example, it's helpful to know uh, the Gospels on this. Where did the, the original priests come from? Well, this is from Luke chapter 6, verse 12, where it says, In those days, Jesus went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles. So it's not a right. They didn't come up to Jesus and say, we demand to be your apostles, <laughs> or we demand to be your priests. It's not a right even for men. It's a calling. So, reviewing, everyone who is baptized participates in the priesthood of Christ. But then there's a big distinction between the baptismal priesthood and the ministerial priesthood. And the ministerial priesthood is not a right. In fact, a lot of guys that go into the seminary, uh, a fair number of them, do not, come be do not become priests, even though they wanted to, because the church discerned if it was a legitimate calling. It has to be a calling from the Lord, and this is very intentional by the Lord. Um, we, can, we can talk a little bit more about like maleness and femaleness and why only males can become ministerial priests, but I'd like to hear any thoughts from Brother Matthew. I'm sure you're thinking, Maria, well, why can't God just call women to be priests? That would simplify it, right? <laughs> right. So, so there's a question, and I think there is a, a mystery there. And the, and the mystery isn't simply the church's teaching on male priesthood, but it's, it's the part of the mystery of God who in the first place decides to, to reveal himself, especially in the New Testament, as Father. And then when, when God becomes incarnate, he, he chooses to do so as a man. And there's a real mystery there as to his choice. But it's not because he finds women inferior. That would be the furthest thing from the truth. In fact, when you, when you look at Jesus' followers, if anything, it's, it's his male followers who are causing all the problems. His women followers are faithful <laughs> all the way to the end, but the men keep denying him, betraying him. So if we grant that, that for some reason, and we can talk about why that might be, why, why Jesus... Uh, was incarnate as a man. But if we grant that, and then we also grant that the ministerial priesthood is supposed to represent in a very real way the ministry of Jesus, in particular by administering the sacraments, 
then at least that part should make sense mm -hmm. that Jesus is represented by the very kind of person that he himself was incarnate as. So that's the main reason why men are priests is because they represent Jesus and Jesus was male. Yes. And in addition to that, because we don't want to just stop there because it's mm -hmm. like, okay, well, mm -hmm. that's kind of like, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> Maybe I don't even like it. Um, getting to Brother Matthew's point about, you know, one of the fundamental reasons of why Jesus came, it's actually a great thing to do like a Bible study on, to actually seek to know in Jesus's own words, why he came. And Jesus, among the many reasons why he came, obviously to save, to redeem, to heal, to bring freedom to the oppressed, etc. But he came, especially in John's gospel, to reveal the Father. And so to reveal the Father, there's something in the maleness of Jesus, if you will, that is revealing the Father. And so priests, in a particular way, participate in that part of Christ revealing the Father. Um, so in a, in a, again, this is a hot topic, not the <laughs> least of which because there's a lot of... Um, questions surrounding even gender itself, you know? So this clouds and complicates the question around male priesthood also because there is a lot of questions and struggling to understand even the topic of maleness and femaleness, you know? So that has to just kind of be put out there as well. Um, I guess a follow-up question to that is... Um, in biblical times, I think, I, I mean, they were like kind of patriarchal societies, you know, and it's a lot different now. And so how do you reconcile um, the rules and like the teachings that were normal in a patriarchal society, but are kind of different now, or we kind of expect to have different, more equal rules? Mm. <laughs> Hmm. Good question. So do you have something in particular? This is where it really push comes to shove, you know? You can be honest. Um, I guess, um, for example, I think um, it's, it's kind of portrayed that women are made for the house um, when you read the Bible or, you know, like our places in the house and then the men more have power or, or, you know, go out and make the decisions. Um, and that's not necessarily the case anymore. Um, so, yeah, I guess I just wanted to ask you guys about that. Yeah, great question. And um, so there is a dignity to the human person with both genders, both being complementary. This is like basic, like, Christianity, Catholicism 101 when it comes to the human person. Um, there is no superiority of one gender over the other, not even in the roles. Um, so when it comes to males and females, there's no superiority. Like one is better or qualitatively like more advanced in a, in a moral state. No, not, a, not in the least. They're both of equal dignity and together, male and female, they show us the image and likeness of God. That's really key, actually. Males by themselves aren't the image and likeness of God. It's male and female together 
that show the image and likeness of God. So uh, within that, absolutely, the, the Bible, 73 books um, in the Catholic Bible, 66 in the Protestant Bible, but in all the books of the Bible, the various ones, uh, yes, they were written in a particular historical context. And my goodness, 2,000 years ago, what kind of, let's put the Bible aside for a moment. Like if you pulled up anything from 1,500, 2,000 years ago, uh, you would see a lot of things regarding gender stereotypes. And you're like, wait, I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> um, because things were a little different. They were written right. in a historical context. So maybe to your question, like, why, if we have advanced 2,000 years ago, mm -hmm. that maybe certain things seem the same? Yeah, why haven't things changed? Yeah. And uh, this is where there, I, would, I, would, I would challenge that a little bit to say quite a few things have changed. Oh, my goodness. You look at the sheer number of beautiful, good, and very intelligent Catholic women are in great places um, of leadership, not only in the church, but in society. They're very Catholic. They're very strong Catholics. And they're, they're working outside the home, for example. Uh, the church is not apologizing for that. <laughs> like, oh, let's put an asterisk next to the patriarchal society <laughs> because this is clearly happening. No. Uh, we, we go where the Lord calls us, and we can obviously say that sometimes certain roles might be more fitting. So, for example, I'm going to make a bold claim. Only women can be mothers. And only men can be fathers. No, that's a bold claim because we're at the university campus. <laughs> um, but there's a difference. Like if we remember growing up, there is a difference when you're comforted by your mother or comforted by your father. You're getting comforted, but you're being comforted in a different way. When you were educated by your mother or your father, you were being educated, but you're being educated in a slightly different way because of the gender communicating whatever verb, education, compassion, et cetera. So sometimes within the roles, there are there seem to be certain roles that are more fitting given the gender. Mm -hmm. That's not to box us in. Women are just for the house. Men are for the outdoors. Men have to rake leaves. Women have to bake. No, <laughs> we'd never want to put people in boxes like that. But especially with the, uh, the procreation and education of children, really the concept of marriage there, um, there are certain roles that especially at times can be more fitting for certain genders over the other. Yeah, that makes sense. So I think one, one further point we can say here is that there has been, despite what our society says today, there has been real progress in understanding the equality between men and women. And I think we want to recognize that a lot of that is actually due to Christianity. If I can take one example from Ephesians chapter 5, the first verse, St. Paul says to husbands and wives, be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Meaning, husbands, be subject to your wives. Wives, be subject to your husbands. It's hard to imagine a more egalitarian statement of marriage roles. So it is true, as Father Jake is mentioning, and as you alluded to, that that especially the Old Testament is embedded in a historical context. But that doesn't mean that the, that the truths which are communicated through that context need to be dispensed with. And, and Father Jake is pointing to a very, very fundamental one, which Genesis teaches very, very clearly that men and women, male and female, 
created equal in dignity, but with a real complementarity, a real complementarity. Do you think, Maria, here's a controversial question today. Do you think there is any difference between men and women? I think there is a difference between a man and a woman. What? <laughs> no. Don't say it so loudly. <laughs> what, what is that difference? Is it merely physical? No, I don't think it is just physical. Um, and I think obviously a lot is how we're raised. Men and women are raised to um, value different things, but I think it goes beyond that. Um, I think I agree with you guys <laughs> when you were talking about um, how men and women both reflect different images of God and dif different sides of him and um, each gender plays a, a different role um, yeah <laughs> yeah I mean it it, it pushes us a little bit to ask that. That's a bold mm. question at a secular university campus where it's radical equality, sameness in everything. And there is no difference because there is no such thing as gender. You know, it's mm -hmm. a social construct. And this would be where the, the church would really challenge that and say, no, gender is not merely, certainly our, our societal circumstances and how we were brought up and the culture and the air in which we breathe, certainly that has an enormous effect on what kind of person we become. Um, but it's not merely, gender would not merely be reducible to a societal or cultural construct. You know, just because parents were to give toy trucks to their son doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, that's how he became a man is by these toy trucks, you know? Right. So, the, yeah, the church would challenge that and say, no, there are some innate things within the person themselves. Right. But still, regardless of differences, I think men and women do deserve equal opportunities or equal respect. Absolutely in respect. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely in respect. Uh, but in terms of equal opportunities, like this might get more to the priesthood point. Is this yeah. kind of what you mean? Like, okay, in any job or or working role, there should be like absolute equality and the opportunity to fulfill that role. Is that what you're saying? Um, yeah. Mm, okay. <laughs> so should women be able to be fathers? I think that... For some women, it's not really a choice. You, ha I mean, you have to raise your kid as a single mother. Um, so in that respect, you kind of do have to play both roles. And so you, I think it's possible, but not necessarily, I don't know. It sounds like you would say, this this child raised by just a mother still something's missing. Mm -hmm. And what is that? I guess father. <laughs> yeah, father. <laughs> Simply, but yeah. 
So the, the, I mean, this, it might seem like such a simple point, but I think this is actually a really profound point because we're pushing the cultural logic to its, its threshold of like having to make a decision. Um, yeah. Can women be fathers? Can men become mothers? The culture would say, taking this radical equality to the nth degree, they would say, uh, many people would say, yes, that's why one should absolutely be able to change or reassign their gender, you know, go through gender reassignment surgery because of radical equality. A woman should become a Ken and should become or able to become a father and vice versa. And this is where the church would, uh, <laughs> in charity, but also and always with truth, no, no, that cannot be done. We're, we're doing damage actually to the dignity of the person. And we don't have the authority to be able to do that, even as the person. Well, in the case with transgender people, isn't it not really their choice? I mean, they're not choosing to be the opposite gender. It's it's more a matter of they feel, you know, like the feel that who they really are isn't reflected by their assigned sex. Yeah. So no, I'm no, by all means, we know cl clinically uh, that there are, there is gender dysphoria, mm -hmm. a great deal of confusion in the mind. Um, but l let's, let's be honest, let's be brutally honest. Uh, that's quite different. Gender dysphoria in the mind, especially is quite a bit different than someone uh, going into bodily surgery to surgically remove or to surgically, surgically add things to the body. Um, there would be some choice involved with that, some real choices. Um, there's a real choice in changing one's name, you know, for someone to go from Sam to Susan. That's a, that's a real choice. It takes nothing away from the reality of the confusion or the gender dysphoria, but certain uh, decisions uh, come out of what do you do with that? What is most fitting given that diagnosis? Maybe let's take it from this angle. As Catholics, what we're saying is that for some reason, God designed humans as male and female. And, and so why, why is that? According to Genesis, it's, it's because there's, a, there's actually something good about their complementarity. There's something really good. We tend, to, we tend to view the difference there as something evil, something to be gotten away with. But rather, Genesis proposes that's something good. In fact, it's the foundation of marriage in one respect. In a different respect, it's even even the foundation of any kind of friendship. There has to be something different about the other for you to love them as someone who's not yourself. And and in the, in the deepest of all human relationships, marriage, there has to be something other about the other for there to be what we what we call married love, the deepest kind of human love. So there's something really really good there that which the church in our own day is trying to protect. Um, I guess while we're on the topic, and um, I know that there's been a lot of talk about it with Pope Francis bringing it up recently, um, I guess I just wanted to ask what you guys, or if you could explain the church's view of why gay couples can't get married in the church. Yeah. 
big, bold questions. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And there's plenty <laughs> of uh, things kind of circling around there. So for example, you know, the, the Vatican through Pope Francis, apparently some weeks ago, you know, okayed uh, like uh, civil unions. Now there's a lot of misconceptions about what he said and what he didn't say, et cetera. But just at the basic blunt level, um, you know, why can't two uh, same-sex persons get married in a sacramental marriage within the Catholic Church? And so some of these basic foundational building points we've been talking about, so if we can kind of see them being placed together, uh, both of equal dignity and together image, image and likeness and the beauty of God, male and female. Um, so this is where... Um, the <laughs> This is where only a male and a female can come together in that way, which can create life, which is fundamentally a huge point of why marriage exists in the first place. This is not at all to say, my goodness, that we can't have various forms of friendship, both physical and platonic friendship, um, between people of the same sex or people together, my goodness. But when it comes to marriage, there's something like, it it begs the question, well, what is marriage? What is it and what is it for? That question has to be answered because otherwise, if we don't have a real straightforward answer to that, there's nothing to stand on. Why can't you marry four people? Uh, you know, one of the same sex and then three of a different, you know, there's nothing really to stand on if we don't have a good definition of it. Um, and this is where there is a lot of confusion and the church wants to, you know, not just be authoritative, like this is the way it is, get over it. No, the church always wants to be able to respond to confusion with clarity. Always that way. Uh, and, and, and with love. Now, when it comes with clarity, we need truth. Only truth brings clarity. There's a lot of ambiguity and confusion out there. And so within marriage, what is marriage? It's supposed to be something in particular, a male and a female, a man and a woman, coming together in love for the good of the spouses, it's for their good, for their flourishing, the complementarity, and then for the procreation and education of children. This is why society is involved at any, at any point, um, because as we talked about just a few moments ago, there is, there is something lacking when a child grows up in a single parent home. It doesn't take anything away from their dignity. My goodness, a lot of people come from single parent homes, but that's not the ideal. There is something lacking. And so if we're putting into law, you know, for the good of society and culture, this is why the state is involved, um, children that we're, we're saying it's good if they come about in a marriage that has, uh, you know, you can make it of it however you want. Now we're talking about, we don't even know historically what's going to happen with that. <laughs> We've never had people that have grown up uh, in same-sex couples for thousands of years. You know, we don't know what that's going to do to the psyche. But we do know that whenever we go out of balance from what God has put forward, the dignity of each human person and marriage between a male and female, things start going awry. And we see some of those things, but I don't even think we know historically uh, how to grapple with this question. But admittedly, Maria, this is a big question, and it would be great for us to spend another podcast on it. We're just we're just scratching the surface here, trying to lay down some of the fundamental pieces. So it's okay if you're still wrestling with this. There's a lot more that we should say. Probably today, we should begin wrapping things up. 
So let me let me try a simple summary, Maria, and see what you think of it. So Father Jake's distinction from the beginning there of baptismal priesthood and the ministerial priesthood, I think, is very helpful. And then recognizing there is some real difference between men and women. It's hard to pin it down. It is a mysterious thing. It has something to do with fatherhood and motherhood. It has something to do with men as as providers, protectors, something to do with women as 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 nurturing, helping, but it's it's not even that quite that simple. So we just have to be very careful, but recognize that just because we can't put our finger on it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I mean that's that's how all of us understand quantum chemistry, because no one can really put their finger on it. But it doesn't mean it's not true, actually. So Moreover, I think just good to recognize in a positive sense, the church loves women. If there's any doubt, and whoever's listening to this, any doubt in your mind that that's the case, maybe these examples will help. Who is the, who is the chief of all the saints in heaven? Mary. Mary, our mother. It's, it's her that the church honors in the first place again and again in all her liturgies. And even in our own times, who is the most recognizable saint of the past hundred years? Mother Teresa. And then again and again, the whole world looks to her as an example of what it means to be a saint. I'll just quote John Paul II here. really would encourage you to read his letter to women, which really gets at some of the things we're talking about. I'll just take out uh, a couple lines from it, which I think are very helpful. John Paul II says in his letter to women, Woman and man are marked neither by a static and undifferentiated equality, nor by an irreconcilable and inexorably conflictual difference. If I can just put that in simpler terms, it's neither bare undifferentiated equality. It is equality and dignity. We've talked a lot about that. But there is some recognizable difference. And on the other hand, the relationship between men and women is not an endless conflict. It's actually meant for complementarity. So when John Paul II speaks of marriage, he says, this most natural relationship, which corresponds to the plan of God, is the unity of the two, a relational unit duality, which enables each to experience their interpersonal and reciprocal relationship as a gift which enriches and which confers responsibility, a gift because the other is really other. Any final thoughts, Maria? It's okay to still be wrestling with this, this question. No, I, I guess I just want to say thank you. Um, yeah, Father Jake and Father Matthew for clearing things up and just kind of making it evident that, or you, you helped me see that it's just the complementarity, like you said, of men and women and, um, the differences are really just gifts and it, and we should embrace yeah. our differences and, and, um, recognize the goodness of both of, you know, our roles. Um, I guess one final question I have is, do you think that things will ever change? I guess, um, like with, like with roles in the church? Uh, yes and no. The main ones that we've been talking about, uh, women as ministerial priests, no, that will not change. Uh, 
brother Matthew quoted John Paul II. John Paul II said very definitively, the church does not have the authority. We don't even have the authority to be able to, to confer sacred orders uh, on women to the ministerial priesthood. Having said that, my goodness, um, yes, I do believe there can and even should be uh, some some change with regard to bringing more of the complementarity into the fabric and the culture of the church in certain areas. Absolutely, and I think we're seeing that already and have been. Part of this is what John Paul II calls the genius of women in recognizing how important that gift is that women can play and should play, need to play in the church. Mm -hmm. Thanks everybody for joining. Maria, so glad to have you on. (laughs) Thank you. Brother Matthew, full of wisdom as always. (laughs) Enjoy everybody. Have a good day. Thanks.